Welcome to the Voice of Victory podcast. The goal of this podcast is to preserve the life and ministry of our late pastor, Dr. Jim Tedder. For 58 years, Dr. Tedder was the pastor of Victory Baptist Church in Shelbyville, Tennessee. We believe the message you're about to enjoy will be a help and an encouragement to you. Thank you so much for listening. And now, here is Dr. Jim Tedder. I want to be an eagle Christian, don't you? I want to be one of those that can have strength renewed and, and can remain uh, vital in the service of God and as long as I'm on this earth and, and be able to do the will of God. Now, Paul, I think you'd have to admit, was an eagle Christian. Uh, he's the one that wrote a vast majority of the books in the New Testament and uh, one greatly used of God. And it had, it had not been for him, we wouldn't have known a lot of the major church doctrines that we have today. And God used him to, he inspired him, the Holy Spirit inspired him and, and used him in a mighty way. I don't know if Paul was aware when he was being used, uh, when he was, when all this was happening that it was eternal and, and that it would be written and preserved in the Word of God or not. I don't know. But I do know the man was faithful to his calling and that's the important thing. And, and we got a little bit of an insight into his prayer life tonight. And I'm not even sure that I can wade off into this and come out of it uh, with with a, a great deal of understanding. But I pray that God will help us. Father, uh, we come to you just now in the name of Christ, our Savior. I ask you, Lord, as we examine the Word of God, Ephesians chapter 3, and these few verses tonight of this great prayer that the Apostle prayed uh, for the church at Ephesus, Lord, that you would help us to glean from it uh, something that would be beneficial to us in our day and time. Lord, I want you to make us eager Christians. I want to pray, Lord, for these that's on this prayer list tonight, and especially, Lord, I pray for these that's suffering, and these that's in the hospital, these that's sickly at home, and, and these, Father, that have question marks and wonders about their direction as far as their ministry is concerned. God bless, and, and, and Lord, these that's on this prayer list that stand in need of salvation, I lift them up before you and ask you that you would move in their hearts and in their lives and, and cause them to see their need for the Savior. Now preach this old man tonight, Lord, it's my desire to exalt Christ and glorify him. And, and Lord, I feel uh, that unless you come on the scene and open up these scriptures, Lord, it's going to be vain and vanity. And, and I yield myself to you and ask you, Lord, and by the grace of God, that you would use us to glorify your son, lift him up. Bless Victory Baptist and our ministries here. And, and may we glorify the Lord here in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't worry about glorifying the Lord in the next world. That's going to take care of itself. It's right here that we need to worry about. Uh, Paul's prayer life, and, and this is, I think, is a is a prayer of a of an eagle saint. Before I get started into the into preaching tonight, let me say it's not the amount of praying that we do. It's not. I'm going to sit down and look at my watch and and pray for two hours. That's not what gets the job done. It's not our vain repetition. The Bible makes it plain to the Pharisees. It's not that that gets the job done. Brother Alvin, it's the intensity of our prayer. It's the sincerity of our heart uh, that reaches to the throne of God. And I believe the perseverance of our prayers, too, that reaches to the throne of God. They just keep on asking, keep on asking, keep on asking, keep on asking. You, you ask them so many times, you feel like, well, I don't feel worthy of asking anymore. But I tell you what, we've got a kind, heavenly Father. And that's what Paul, that's what he had reached into, and that's what he'd uh, uh, been able to comprehend here in these verses that I'm going to read to you tonight of our Father's love toward his people. And in Ephesians 3.14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Uh, now, Paul is writing, uh, talking to the church at Ephesus, and, and he said, because of this. And he's talking about the, the, the tribulation that he's had and the, and the trouble that's come in his life and how that it was grieving the people that he'd won to the Lord at the church at Ephesus. And, and now he's saying, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, immediately, folks, that tells me that our relationship to God is that of a family. I like a family relationship. Uh, first thing God instituted after he got man on this earth, he, he instituted a family, he instituted a home. And, and then and, and in that home, he placed over that home the father, the daddy, the husband is the head of the household. And then he said, this is the household where God, who is the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, is head of this household. Now, what is the duties of a father? Now, you think about that a minute. The duty of a father is to guide us. Daddy needs to guide his family. Daddies leave the will of God. They usually take the families with them. It's the duty of the daddy to teach the family. Deuteronomy chapter 6 he wrote this as a commandment and said, you teach it diligently unto your children. It's the duty of the father to lead the family. Lead me in paths of righteousness for thy, thy name's sake. And God is leading his family. It's the duty of a father to provide for the family. I think God provides for his family right well. But he's a protector for us. The father protects us. Protects us. Paul said, I'm a member of a family. That's got a father that knows how to provide, that knows how to protect. And, and, uh, I think the greatest duty of a daddy is to love us. Amen. You agree with that church? Out of all that provision and teaching and guidance and, and the leading and, and, uh, providing and protecting, I believe the greatest, greatest duty and responsibility of a daddy in the home is to love his family. And I thank God that we're a member of a family where I can say, my father loves me. My father loves me. Uh, you, you, you young folks, I would to God some of you young rebels thinks it's smart to rebel against your daddy and mama. I would to God that you could be with me sometimes and, and see the tears as they well up in the eyes of a daddy or a mama. As they sit and talk to me about a wayward child and those that's out of the will of God. I would to God that you could see the heartache. See what you're doing to the ones that brought you into this world. A young lady that many years ago, she's a mother. She's got a family. And they're still faithful in this church. Hallelujah. Several years ago, she was in a, in a prodigal situation and breaking the heart of her daddy and mama. I mean, several years ago, I went to her and uh, and sat down at a table where she was, and I had a pistol, still got a pistol. It was unloaded, and I just took my pistol out and laid it down on the table. Her eyes got big. She said, what's that for? I said, I want you to go home tonight, and when your daddy and mama go to sleep, I want you to ease into their bedroom and just put the gun right here to their head and shoot each one of them. Oh, I mean, you could see the horror in her eyes. Brother Jim, I said, you're killing them. 
the way you're living, I said, just as sure as you shot that bullet and it's traveling just like this. It might take it a day, it might take it a week, it might take it a year, it might take it ten years. But I said, sooner or later, the way you're living is going to bring down your parents to the grave. And I said, you'd show more mercy on them, just get them out of the misery, than let them go through years and years and years of your suffering and rebelling against their authority and against what God said. Well, praise the Lord. That opened her eyes, and she returned back, and, and she's still in church, and she's still faithfully serving God. And her children are in this church unto this day. Isn't that glorious? God loves us. Now, I, in, 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 in Genesis chapter 29, verse 20, And Jacob served seven years for Rachel. They seemed unto him as but a few days for the love he had to her. Isn't that glorious? You young people, you listen to me. That boy, that girl, when you're dating and that boy says, I can't wait until marriage because I love you so much. Here's a man that served his dad-in-law to be seven years. He said, it seems it's but a day. When he said, I can't wait. Now, he's not in love with you. He's in love with his stinking self and his flesh. It's not you that he loves. It's his flesh, his own lust that he loves, not you. This man served seven years because he loved the woman that he, that he was wanting to marry. Well, the greatest gift, I think, of a father and a daddy in the head of a household is that he needs to give and show love. Exodus 20, 21, verse 5, the Bible said, And if thy servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go free. Now, this is the law of the Jews. A man was in debt, and he could sell himself as a servant, a Hebrew servant. And for six years, he'd have to serve his master. Then on that seventh year, his master would release him. But in the time period, if he married up with one of the uh, household uh, members of the household of his master, then when he released him, he would have to go as a free man, but have to leave his wife and his children behind if they had children. But the Bible said if he loved his master and he loved his wife and his children, he said, I will, I will not go out free. His master shall bring him to the judges and he shall also bring him to the door or unto the doorpost, and his master shall bore uh, his ear through with an awl, and and he shall serve him forever. I like that. I like that. He said, I love my wife. Church, most beautiful thing I ever saw about Jesus. You, you gotta you gotta read this in the in the I think it's the 15th chapter, 1 Corinthians, where Jesus delivers up all things to God the Father. God said, now, all things are as they should be. Jesus, in John chapter 17, said, give me the glory that I had with thee before the world was. Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son may also glorify thee. And he prayed that that glory would be bestowed upon him. That glory is not going to be not even going to be offered to him, brother Bobby, until he has conquered every enemy. The last enemy he says that he'll conquer is death. I like that. Jesus will conquer death, and then when he conquers death, the Bible said he'll deliver all things up unto the Father, and the Father shall be all and in all. I've told you this story so many times. I read that when I was just saved, maybe six eight months. And all of a sudden, somehow or another, it seemed like my Savior disappeared. It seemed like Jesus was no more. And I thought, well, will he go back into being as God the Father, and I'll not be able to see Jesus. And, and that, that, that thing plagued me for years and years and years. 
until I realized the story that I just read to you in the book of Exodus. How that that, that one that owed the debt, and he's the one that paid our debt. Time for him to go free. Instead of him going free, he said, no, I, I love my wife. I'll just stay with her. I like that. And I believe Jesus will say that one of these days out yonder in eternity. You want the glory that you had before the world was. Folks, I'm telling you, he's in a body of flesh in heaven. If you could see him right now in heaven, those wounds are still in his hand, just like they were when Thomas could thrust his hand into the side, thrust his hand into the side. They're still there. And, and, and as long as those wounds are there, that glory that he had will never be full. Now you can, you can get rid of all that. No, I think I'll just stay with my bride. Isn't that glorious? I think I'll just stay with my people. That's how much Jesus loves you. He lost something, and I believe he lost something that he'll never regain because he had to die as a sin sacrifice for me and you. I don't know what that does to you. That makes me want to love him a little bit more tonight. Amen. That makes me want to bow on my knees as angels in heaven cry, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. I'm not deserving of such love, but I thank God I'm a recipient of such love. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 28 and 30 and 33, verse 28, the Bible said here, and so ought men all to love their wives as their own body. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Verse 33, nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. These verses of Scripture said the greatest duty of a father is to love. I'm going to tell you something. You, you don't know any love any greater than the father has toward us. We got an earthly family, we got a heavenly family. That's what that verse of scripture teaches. The Bible says the whole family of God, verse 15, the whole family in heaven and in earth is named. I, I, I've got a family here. You say, yeah, I know it. Your family's a tetter family. No, you're my family. In Christ, you're my family. In Christ, you're my brothers and sisters. Amen. I've got a family here, Walter. And I've got another family that's there. So it doesn't matter whether I'm here or there. I'm with my family. I like that. Man, that, that gives me a comfort tonight in all the troubles and trials that we have to go through. He said the earthly family and the heavenly family. There's angels in the heavenly family. There's saints in our heavenly family. The, the departed there. We've got a family down here on earth. Everything has a family. That just, that just blows the evolutionists right out of the saddle. A crow and a, and a blackbird are similar, but you never see a crow and a blackbird mating. You don't see them mating because God said they'll bring forth after their kind. You, you never see them mating. You never see them mating. Even though they look alike, you never see them mating. Uh, this cloning business has come up. Ever you, you're hearing about this on the news? That clone, uh, they've cloned a sheep. I don't, I don't know enough about that really to make a whole lot of sense about it and talk about it. Uh, but but uh, I'm I'm here just enough to just enough to make me think a little bit about it. I told some folks the other day that we were talking about that cloning of that sheep. I said Jesus 
arrived in this world without the aid of a human father. And, and, and I believe that Satan is going to show up in this world without the aid of a human father. And I don't know how he's going to do it. It might be as, as, as just like just popped right out of hell. I don't know. But it could be that first fellow that's cloned might be the one that possesses that spirit of Judas. Or it could be uh, the same spirit that inhabited Judas could inhabit him. I, I believe I believe you, you go back and search the scripture and God said Judas is the son of perdition. Brother Mike taught that lesson up here the other day. He said, I, I'm going to teach it. I don't know if I can uh, fully believe it or not. After he got through teaching it, I said, son, I believe that. I believe Judas is a son of perdition. But I believe Antichrist has had his man in every generation. But I believe this is the generation, my friend, that the Antichrist is going to really, in reality, show up. I don't know where that clone is going to come in. might not, might not, not play, play a part at all in it. But I tell you what, you go back in the Old Testament days in the book of Genesis, it says that the sons of God went into the daughters of men, and they bear them sons, men of old, men of renown. I've had preachers tell me from the word get-go that that, that, uh, that was having to do with genetic control back in those days. Now, I don't know if that would be the case or not. It's wild, isn't it? we got a lot of Greek mythology going around, a uh, 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 body of a bull with the head of a man or the body of a horse with the head of a man and they'd made that bow down before these things. Now, I don't know if, if any of that stuff existed or if it's just a figment of man's imagination or if those people back in those days got to messing around with genetics like the people in our day are doing. I don't know. I don't know. It's not for me to say. But I'm here to say that as far as I can determine reading the Bible, Jesus is about ready to come back to this old world. And as far as I'm concerned, the sooner the better. Amen. I, I, I don't think I don't think I'd miss anything in this old world if he came back tonight. Well, uh, families have trouble. Families have trouble. There's differences in families. There's arguments in families. There's harsh words and hurt feelings. It's in families, but families stay families. Hello. Families stay families. You never, you never saw a dandelion get mad at another dandelion and said, I'm going to be a rose. Huh? You didn't. You never saw a sparrow get mad at another sparrow and say, I'm going to turn into a red bird. That's right. You never saw a largemouth bass get mad at his family and say, I'm going to turn into a tadpole. Families remain families. That's God's intention. I mean, there's differences. Sure, there's differences with God's people. Sure, there's differences in the family of God on earth. But want to remain, say it, want to remain families. Families remain families. And Paul said, I bow my knee. That old prodigal son went away, but he's still the son of the father. Amen. And in verse 14, and he said, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, Because of this teaching that I've just given you, he said, I'm going to reverence God, and I'm going to respect God, and I'm going to obey God, and I'm going to bow to God. And I'm going to let God be in control of my life because I'm part of God's family. He's praying that prayer for the church at Ephesus. I'm praying that prayer for the church of Shelbyville. Let us be family. Overcome our differences. Verse 16. The Bible said he, uh, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. There's a couple of things I want you to see. Paul said, I'm praying that God would strengthen you. 
Paul said, my prayer to God is that he would strengthen the family of God. Strengthen those that's in the body of Christ. How much we need to be strengthened today. He's already mentioned three kingdoms here. First of all, he said the family in, in earth, that's the, that's the natural family, then the family that's in heaven, that's the family of grace. And then verse 16, he talks about uh, the family being strengthened according to the riches of his glory. That's our heavenly family, the, the glorious family. Out, out, of, which, out of the natural family, the earthly family, and the glory, glorious family, which one of you thinks is strongest? I'm talking about the glory family. I'm talking about the family that's in glory. It's already there. Now, which one do you think is the strongest? The natural? The people that's here? Or the people's there? The people's there. They're, they're, they're the strong ones. They're the strong ones. The people that's there, they're already graduated. Now, out of that, my friend, he, he also talks about that he, through that he would strengthen the inner man. If, if, if the inner man needs strength, then there's got to be an outer man. Amen? Now listen to me. Every one of us, we're creating the image of God. God's a triune God. Follow me, church. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We're Trinity too. We're body, soul, and spirit. Now my soul, my will, my intellect, my emotions is stronger than my body. But my spirit ought to be stronger than my soul. When he talks about the inner man, he's talking about the, he's talking about the spirit of man. Until we're saved, we're a body soul. The, the inner man, the spiritual man, he is dead in trespasses and sins. Then when we get saved, God puts life in the inner man. Unless you're saved, that inner man is dead. And you're being, you're being controlled by your emotions and by your body. But after we're saved, we have an inner man that's spiritual. And our outer man, our body, and our soul ought to be brought under subjection to the inner man because just like those that's in glory are stronger than those that's on earth, those that have the life of Christ, the life of Christ in us, ought to be stronger than the life of daddy and mom and Adam. So there's the inner man. He said, I want that inner man to be strengthened. I, I want him to grow. I want him to develop the inner man. You strive to feed the inner man. And then how do you feed the inner man? Hmm. You feed him with the Bible. How else do you feed dinner man? Prayer. How else do you feed dinner man? Church. Coming to church. Fellowshipping with the people of God. How do you feed that inner man? You feed that inner man by doing the things that Jesus taught us to do in the Bible. Acts chapter 1, the things that he began both to, to do and to teach. That we're to continue to do and to teach what he began. Folks, the church hasn't changed. <laughs> Brother, Brother Wayne was telling me about going to church Sunday. He said uh, they had one revised standard version Bible in, in the pews, the pew Bible. And preacher got up to preach and he said, sure wasn't King James Bible. So he decided he would get the revised standard version and see if he's preaching out of that mess. He said he picked that Bible up and said he wasn't even preaching out of the revised standard version. I ain't got a mess. Man show up with a King James Bible. What the preacher's preach is not in the King James Bible. Reaches out and get a Revised Standard Version. The verses that he's reading is not in the Revised Standard Version. What kind of confusion 
as that to God's little lambs. You. <laughs> and how long did he preach? Was it a just one of them? Just, oh, okay, he didn't preach. He talked or did something for fifteen minutes, huh? Now, folks, that's what that's what this word that's typical of what the world is having to go through with and call it church. No wonder, no wonder the world is walking all over us and, and belittling us and making fun of us if that's Christianity. God said there's an inner man and he can't be fed with a bunch of slop. He's going to have to be fed with that which is holy and heavenly. Right. And he said, my prayer is that inner man might be fed, that you might have strength from the inner man. This old outward man perisheth, but the inner, inner man is strengthened from day to day. Verse 17 that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That inner man, my friend, is where Christ dwells. Literally. Literally. That's not some kind of allegorical mess. That's not some kind of a, a, a thing to get your attention. Literally, when a man gets saved, a woman gets saved, Christ dwells in their hearts by faith. Christ is there. You say, well, we're too little to contain Christ. How big's the sun? I don't know how many miles around the sun. I don't know. It's pretty good size. Little journey. I guarantee you that if we could stop a raindrop from falling on, on a day when it was raining and the sun was shining, if we could stop a raindrop and, and suspend it in midair, we would look inside that raindrop and we'd see the sun. Couldn't we? Reflecting inside that raindrop. I mean, the whole sun would be reflecting inside. Am I right or am I right? Brother, if we could stop 10 billion of those little raindrops from falling and suspend them in air and look at them and examine them inside of every one of those raindrops would be the sun. Now we know that that sun is too big to get inside of a raindrop and we know that Jesus is too big to get inside of us, but the very personality of Jesus can dwell in the heart of the believer. And that's what Paul said, I want that to happen to you at Ephesus. I want Jesus to dwell in you, not just an outward show of godliness, but I want the real thing to be in your heart. Amen. Upon salvation, the personality of Jesus can be placed in us, but he said it's a work of faith. It's not a work of works. It's not something that we do. It's something that God does for us. And he said, I want you so rooted in love. Rooted in love. Well, over in the book of... Psalms 1 and 1 through 3, Psalms 1. Blessed is the man that, how do we get rooted in love? It, rooted is like a tree taking root and living off the soil. And God said, I, I want your life and your inward man to take root in Christ. And I want your inner man to learn how it's like to live off of Jesus. Not off of people. Not off of what people think about you. Come on. I want your inner man to learn how to get his strength from Jesus. Jesus. Am I preaching or am I preaching? Amen. Get your strength from Jesus. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. 
But his delight is in the law of the Lord. That, by the way, the Bible is the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And that's what he was thinking about. He was thinking about the Bible. He wasn't thinking about himself. Wasn't thinking about his feelings. Wasn't thinking about his success. He was thinking about the law of God. Am I preaching, folks? We'd get our minds off of our souls and get our mind on Jesus. It'd be a whole lot better atmosphere around here to serve God in. He said, that man that does that shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Uh, God said, I'm going to tell you how to live. I'm going to tell you how to be fruitful. I'm going to tell you how to prosper. And you're just going to have to be rooted and grounded in the love of God. Yet Jesus, honey, Jesus. Ooh, mercy. Oh, we get that over to God's people. We might just have revival around here. Rooted and grounded in love. Now he said rooted in love and grounded in love. Grounded in love means just establish, my friend, uh, on the bedrock. Grounded. You dig down, my friend, when you're going to build a foundation of a house. You dig down to the to a firm foundation. You, you, don't, you don't set a foundation on sifting sand or on topsoil. You dig down to a firm salvation. And the best kind of uh, foundation you can have is called a rock. <laughs> Amen. Jesus is the rock of my salvation. He's that rock in the weary land. He's the stone that the builders rejected. He's the head of the corner. He's the rock on which our home ought to be and our life ought to be built. Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon the rock. What did he do? He heard and did. He heard and he did. He heard and he did. He heard and he did. You're going to have to hear and do. And then he said in verse 25, And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded on a rock. Why didn't it fall? Because it's on a rock. Uh, I mean, storms came, they didn't quit. The winds blew, and they didn't fold. The rains descended, and they didn't wash away, they didn't wash out. They said, we're on the rock, and we're going to stay on the rock. We're rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Victory Baptist, do we need this? We live in the love of God and, 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 and we're rooted in that and we're sustained and kept by the love of God in this earth and our outer man is being uh, weakened but our inner man is being strengthened because we're grounded and rooted in the love of God. The results of being grounded and rooted in the love of God seen verses 18 and 19 uh, of Ephesians chapter 3. The Bible said here may also, uh, that we may... Uh, may uh, well, the, the Christ dwelling in your hearts by faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able, verse 18, to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. There's four dimensions mentioned in that verse about the love of God. The breadth of the love, the length of the love, the depth of the love, the height of the love. Think on that a minute. I, w- I want you to see where Paul was standing. I want you to picture Paul inside the love of God. When Paul looked up, he saw the love of God. When he looked this way, he saw the love of God. When he looked this way, he saw the love of God. When he looked this way, he saw the love of God. 
Paul said, one thing I'm sure of, I have a heavenly Father that loves me. And no matter what circumstances I'm in, no matter what man does to me, no matter what man thinks about me, I'm going to be rooted and grounded in the love of God before I've learned what is the height, the length, the depth, and the breadth of the love of God. Go over to the book of Job, chapter 11, verse 7. Job 11, 7. Canst thou by searching find out God? Canst thou, can, can, scientists, can you find God in a test tube? No. Canst thou find out the Almighty unto perfection? You can't find him out, but he can dwell in you, and the love of God can be in you. Look at verse 8. It is as high as heaven. What canst thou do? Deeper than hell. What canst thou know? The measure thereof is longer than the earth, and broader than the sea. Somebody said, Brother Jim, what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height of the Word of God? The breadth of the love of God encompasses all ages, all nations, and all ranks of men. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The length of the love of God is continuance. It just goes on and on and on and on and on. I can stand here and wave my hanky around and praise the God of glory that I'll never see a day that Jesus quits loving me or the Father quits loving me. I'll never see that day. I'll never see that day. I don't care how deep. Now, now that comes, that encompasses the, I don't care how deep I go in sin. He said, you can't comprehend the depth of the love of God. That means, my friend, reaches down to the lowest of hell. No matter how hard you hurt, no matter how deep you are in the valley, no matter how alone you feel, God said, my love is deeper than the deepest valley. My love is higher than the highest of the mountains. My love extends all the way beyond the heavens. My love extends all the way down to the depths of hell. And then he said, my love is as, is as high as, and, and the, as, as the height of it reaches to the tops of heaven's joy. The breadth is for all ages. The length is, it continues. The depths of it is for all conditions of mankind. Higher than the heavens, deeper than hell, longer than the whole the earth, and broader than the sea is the love of God. Paul said, Church at Ephesus, I wish you'd learned that. I wish you could be filled with all the fullness of God. It's God's will that we can that his attributes be seen in our lives. What are the attributes of God? What are his attributes? By the way, let me tell you something, folks. The attributes of God they're all spiritual. We're in agreement with that. I don't have the ability. I can turn over a new leaf, but it won't be long until my leaf withers and dryeth up and flieth away. But I can trust Jesus, and when the Holy Ghost moves into my heart, the very personality of Christ begins to live inside of me. Now that's what Paul said. He said, I want Christ's very personality living inside the church at Ephesus. Wouldn't, you, wouldn't it be glorious if the very personality of Christ lived inside the hearts of each one of us? That's at Victor Baptist Church. The very personality. What is that personality, Brother Jim? Well, first of all, I think it would have to be holy. Then I think it would have to be love. And have to be a personality full of forgiveness. Full of forgiveness. That brings us up to charity type love. Amen? Charity love. Give and expect nothing in return. Then I think that love, of, that personality of Christ would be patient and kind and long-suffering. The, 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 that you be full with all the fullness of God. Somebody said that's impossible. See what I got here? See that? 
water. You say, see it, water? Look. The same thing that's in that glass is now in me. Now, I, I don't have all that glass of water in me, but I got the same that's in that glass in me because you just saw me. I could go down to the I could go down to the Atlantic Ocean tonight and and uh, get a thimbleful of the Atlantic Ocean. All the minerals, all that that is inside the Atlantic Ocean, is now inside my little thimble. I'm that little thimble. But all these attributes of God, as I'm yielded to the Spirit, can be in me. I, folks, this old body cannot contain all that God is. You know that. But it can contain enough that it can transform me into what my Savior is. Amen? And that's what salvation, and if salvation doesn't do that for an individual, I'm sorry, I doubt that man's salvation. It ha- salvation has a transforming effect on people. It has a transforming effect upon people. In verse 20, Ephesians 3, Now unto him that is able, that's, that's our verse, said Brother Walter, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, exceeding abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. I, I don't know. That verse I cannot comprehend. But one thing about that verse, I know that God's saying it's impossible for you to exhaust my provisions. It's impossible for you to exhaust my love. Amen. It's impossible for you, ex- for you to exhaust my power. And my ability to help. Whether it's in grace. Here or in glory yonder. I think a million years in eternity. We'll still be marveling at the glory of our God. Just like we did the first day that we saw him. Amen. I don't think we'll ever. Oh we might get over being saved down here and cool off. But I tell you what. When we get to heaven and behold his glory. I don't think we'll ever cease for being excited. About what God hath done for us. We'll sing uh, that old song that we'll sing his praises while the ages roll. Oh, I believe that with all my soul. And we'll get excited about serving God and heaven's choir, Brother Tommy. Nobody's going to have to beg anybody to get up there because they'll want to serve that God. I think it's a shame. I think it's a low-down, sorry, crying, dirty shame that my, your pastor has to get up here and beg some of you to come up here and sing in this choir. I think it's a shame. I think it's a disgrace. First thing our people see, visitors see when they come in here is a choir that's not full. Are they saying, well, that automatically tells me I'm in a church that's not full of the love of God. Come on. You you listen to me. They come in here and they see a choir that's two-thirds of the way full. Does that say, I'm seeing a church that's just two-thirds of the way on fire for Jesus? I ought to say this this part of it for Sunday morning, shouldn't I? I I just might go back and... Stick that in there on Sunday morning. It, 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 it's, it, it's a, uh, and listen, I know you just say, listen, I've got a sore throat preacher and I can't preach. I can't sing. I, I know you can't. And I stand up here sometime with a sore throat and preach. And I know it's a little bit of a hindrance. Hello? I, I, I'd rather see you stand up there mouthing the words than see those empty seats up there. Not, I mean, just make out like you're singing. Just open your mouth and not... Just make out like you're singing then to see those empty seats up there. People ought to see a church excited about serving God every time they come to Victory Baptist. People ought to see people that's excited about not only going there, but our journey there. Excited about Jesus, what Jesus has done. I know when you don't say in the choir, you've got the best excuse in the world. 
when they laid that cross on the back of Jesus, he had every reason in the world why he shouldn't wear it, bear it. But brother, he didn't lay it down. Trembling under the weight of that cross, he said, because I love them, I'll climb that hill. Because I love them, I'll die for them. Do we love him enough? Come on. That takes the monkey off his back and puts it on our back, doesn't it? How much do we love Jesus? Well, I love him a lot. Then he said, show me. Say, Jesus didn't say show me. He did, he did too. First uh, Corinthians chapter 9, he said, show me your love. Prove your love. Last time I went to India, Brother Sumon had a heart attack, had a stroke in, 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 in January. My dad had a stroke on Wednesday night. Brother Sumon had a stroke on Sunday. Same week. I went over there the last part of, of uh, I think, was it January, February? I don't remember which, but it was just a few weeks after that stroke. And I went into Isaac's little house, and Brother Sumon was sleeping on a little bed, just a little narrow bed, about like so in the, in the only bedroom that Isaac had. And I walked in. And in that bedroom, Brother Sumat began to struggle to get up. And he, he took a, a few weekly steps toward me and reached out and put his arms around me and began to weep. And he said, he said, Preacher, you have proven your love. You have come to me. Now I've got no way to prove my love for you. And he kissed me. He kissed me here. You have proven your love. Church, we need to learn how to prove our love. Not only to people that's in the family, but especially to the one that gave us birth. Amen? I don't know, like I say, verse 20, the exceeding abundant and all that. I, I, can't, I can't comprehend that. He said, I'm able to give to you more than you can ask or think. Our ask is measured by our thinking. Our asking is measured by our thinking. And the closer we get to Christ, the more our thinking is like His. And He said, according to the power that worketh in us. That's, that seems that we ought to be growing in grace and knowledge all the time. Amen. The power that worketh in us. Verse 32, verse uh, the 21. And here's the purpose of all this. Now listen to it. The purpose of Paul praying, the purpose of saying, be a family, act like a family, exalt the heavenly Father, cleave to one another in this world, and, 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 and get rooted and grounded in the love of God, and learn that you're surrounded by His love, and learn that God loves His family, and God loves His church, God loves His people on earth, and He loves His people in heaven. And he said, the purpose of all this, my friend, is unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout the ages, World without end. And Paul closed his prayer by saying, Amen. The purpose of all this is that Christ, that God be glorified in Christ Jesus. This prayer encompasses our life here and our future life in glory. There's your telescopic vision of your eagle saint. Not only is he looking out after the things that's going to transpire here, but he's also looking out at the things that's going to take place in eternity. I'm afraid that most of us sometimes labor under the thoughts of What's here? What can benefit us? Listen to me, church. God is eternal. Please listen. His will does not have to be completed in your lifetime. We think that whatever God's going to do, He's going to have to do it in our lifetime. He just uses us, Brother Walter, like a carpenter would pick up a nail that nail within its own being could not build a house. 
but with the hand of the carpenter, enough of those nails placed in strategic places, you can build a house that can withstand the storms. A lot of times that's all we are, just that one nail. I don't feel very important, but you are. My job is not very glamorous, but it's needful. I don't ever get the applause and the appreciation that I deserve, but it's needful. But it's needful. You might be hidden under the plaster. Nobody ever see you. Nobody ever recognize you. Nobody ever know that you're there. But what you're doing for Jesus, he knows. And God said some of these days when you get into that glorious family, all the world is going to know. I hope this has helped. Let's bow our heads.